Welcome to the Expat Cast. This is the podcast where expats share their stories about fitting in, standing out, and every mishap on their journey to finding home abroad. I'm your host, Nicole. You may have gathered by the background noises that I'm recording this outside again, so uh, enjoy them. Um, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with the podcast this week or moving forward, and honestly, I still don't know. My mind has been in the States the last couple weeks, and my heart has been with the protesters who are standing up against racism, systemic racism, police brutality. I'm with them, and yet I'm not. (laughs) I'm in Freiburg, Germany, and bugs are flying into my hair while I record this into my phone. I don't think that there's nothing I can do. I actually think there's a lot I can do to help, but I just have to figure out what that is and how to organize it and how to structure it. Some examples of what I've been spending my time with, because I think it's important to note that it's not just uh, thoughts and prayers. (laughs) That's never been enough and it's not enough now. So over the past week and a half, I've been listening to a ton of podcasts with interviews with different black activists or black professionals or just black people listening to what they have to say on the whole thing. I've been listening to a lot of news, trying to stay up to date on what actually is happening. And meanwhile, an additional news channel has become friends who are at the protests because sometimes they're getting really different information firsthand than seems to be getting reported. Also in my friend groups, I've been having a lot of discussions. And I've also been having the tougher talks with people who maybe we don't exactly agree on a lot of stuff. Or we just come from different eras and different backgrounds and and we have to kind of negotiate a lot of points of conflict in our worldviews, I suppose. Um, a big thing that I did um, is I was able to moderate a panel discussion with five Americans living in Freiburg about the topic of the George Floyd protests. The panel consisted of four different black Americans from different areas in the states and different backgrounds with different opinions on everything as well as a white person who was sharing his views on it. I think actually some podcast listeners might have made it into the event. The event was put on by the Karl Schutz House here in Freiburg. They're the German-American center in town and it was a Zoom event. So a lot of people from all over could participate, which was awesome, but the event did get capped at 100 and they actually had probably 150, 160 people who wanted to attend. So it's pretty incredible. And and the people who did attend, wow, they, they listened, they paid attention. The questions that were coming in through the chat were fantastic. People were even having discussions in the chat as the event was going on, which was really cool to see. It was an absolute honor to moderate it and put all of these interviewing skills that I've developed in the podcast to work in this format and about something that matters so much. For people who did not attend, they did record the event and they're putting together a video version which will be available sometime in the near future and I will for sure be sharing the link to that as soon as it's out. I also attended a vigil for George Floyd here in Freiburg where they estimated up to 10,000 people were there at the peak. The Black Indigenous People of Color group led the group in paying our respects to George Floyd, as well as others who have been victims of racial violence in the States. And 
even throughout the world. They actually took this opportunity to talk about what racism looks and feels like in Germany. Because, yeah, it's here too. Just because cops aren't killing people doesn't mean that racism is not here. Because it is. And it's very good to see people having that conversation. I think the people who have been affected by it have been having those conversations or trying to for a while. And it's nice to see the wider public start to lean in and listen. But what does this mean for the expat cast? It's a damn good question. And as I said, I still don't know. Because I want to dedicate so much of my time to this topic of racism in America and what you can do as an American abroad, it's hard to put any time or effort into the podcast. I'll put that bluntly. I debated taking another week off the show, maybe another two weeks off the show. I've debated creating an additional podcast specifically to talk about these issues. I've thought about inviting certain people to talk about these topics on the expat cast. I don't know. I have a lot of thoughts and I don't know what I want to do. So if you have feedback, I would really love to hear it. I may not have a giant platform through this podcast, but I do have a platform and I do have an audience and and I want to make the best use I can out of those things. I have some ideas of what I would like to do, but again, this is and always will be about the listeners. So please write me. I'm at the expat cast on Twitter and Instagram, and you can email me at the at gmail.com. Let me know what you would want from the expat cast regarding this topic, whether you are American abroad or you are an expat who has nothing to do with America. I want to know. I want to know what you want. <laughs> I did decide to go forward and put this episode out because I had a lot of fun recording it back in March or April. I had a really fun time editing it. And as these discussions go on, as we really accept the idea that this is not just a week-long bout of protesting, no, this is a fight that needs to be fought over a longer term. So whether or not protests continue, the conversation will. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And to run a marathon, you have to stay on your feet the whole time. <laughs> to stay on your feet the whole time, you need things like water and maybe breaks and maybe you do need to walk for a little bit but you don't finish a marathon by sprinting and giving her all and then two kilometers and having no energy left and falling over that's not how it works so I don't know what this podcast brings you but I know that this episode brought me an escape into really another world for 30 minutes and that was nice and so I'm putting this out with the thought that Maybe you also need to just disappear into another world for 30 minutes and just have a nice time so that you can keep fighting. So with that said, here it is. Let's dive into the wild, lavish world of the relocation industry. I'm Shein Siron, so um, I'm originally from the Philippines, and right now I'm living in Rockhampton, Queensland, Australia. We've been in Rockhampton since October, but we've been in Australia since July last year, so we're fairly new. We've been in Australia for less than a year. How's it going so far? Do you like it there? 
Um, <laughs> Rockhampton is probably not the most exciting place to be in Australia, and it's not really the long-term place that we would like to be in. But for now, this is where we are because this is where my husband's project is. He works in construction industry, so the project is here. That's why we're here. Once the project is over, I hope we will be moved to a different place. Yeah, but eventually we would like to settle in other cities. I guess it's appropriate that we've already been talking about several relocations because you've worked in the relocation industry and that's what we're here to dive into today. So I just wanted to ask first off what that actually means, relocation. So uh, we lived in Singapore for 10 years and uh, for the 10 years I worked in the relocation industry for seven years. So I worked for an American company and it's a relocation management company. So this industry is quite um, niche. Not a lot of people know about it. And whenever people ask me, what do you do? It's kind of difficult for me to explain, but we work with Fortune 500 companies. And these companies, they do have expats all over the world and we help to relocate them and move them around the world. So everything from visa, housing, all these kind of things, we will be helping them with their entire move. Yeah, and that's something I, I was wanting to, to get my, my head on straight with. So it sounds like there are companies that do this for other companies, but even these big Fortune 500 companies, it's not like they have an internal relocation office, even if they do this often. They sort of outsource this to the companies like what you worked for. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. That is correct. Okay. The bigger companies, they do have their own in-house relocation teams, but they still work with outside relocation management companies. Just because there are so many services involved in moving an expatriate and there are certain legalities and there's a lot of information for for the companies to process that they couldn't do it themselves and they need some expert and professional in their field. That's why they hire all these relocation management companies. And this is most especially true for like tax and visa, all these things. I mean, if you try to make one company learn all of these, it's just too much for the HR department because mostly it's the HR department who is in charge of all these things. That's such a good point. Somehow in my head, I'm like focused on the logistics of the move and moving with the family and people who want to bring their furniture, but none of that is actually at the end of the day as complicated and confusing as visa processes one country to one country because it's always different and then taxes things like this huh so okay we've listed out some of the things that are typically offered my impression initially was that that relocation is sort of a one-time bigger process is there ongoing services that are offered to the families or people that are moving or is it really just this first initial move so it will depend on what package the company provides you. There are those just one-time move, as you mentioned, and mostly this applies to those who are less senior employees. But those more senior, there's like an ongoing support, like if there's a problem with your accommodation, education, there's also such thing like the relocation management company will pay the tuition fee of your kids on like a monthly or quarterly basis, and also the rental of the house, and if something breaks down. Wow, even to that extent, okay. Yeah, and I mean, even if when you move out of the current house that your company is providing for you, the company helps you to check the house, make sure you get your deposit back and all these kind of things. So this is when you leave the country and move on to the next assignment or go back to your home country. That's crazy. I'm just sitting here like, wait, but that sounds like all of the stress of moving abroad is just taken off oh, yeah. your shoulders. That's incredible. 
Okay. And so you also mentioned, you know, moving with families and stuff like that. In addition to being at different levels in your career, there's also, I would assume, a difference between a single person versus married people versus married people with kids, different programs that are offered for that. Is that true? Yeah. So for this, it will mainly be the household goods and the housing, the accommodation that will vary in the support that the company is providing their employees. Because a single person versus a married person or married person with kids, they would have less stuff, more stuff, right? And they would need your house, right? So like, for example, there are companies that say, okay, if my employee is a single, he gets a one 20 foot container for the house of goods. If my employee is married or married with kids, he gets a 40 foot container for his house of goods. And the same goes for the housing. Normally it's, cost like how much per month is the company willing to pay for the housing and also like this also applies to a temporary accommodation like when the employee first arrives in the host country the new country that he is moving to he will move on to a service department or a hotel and normally if a single person they will give him a one bedroom service apartment and if it's a kids two bedroom or three bedrooms so it depends on the policy of the company it sounds like for some people, if they're high enough up in the rankings, their kids get some support too in the form of education. Mm. That would mean then being exactly. able to choose, a, a, I presume, a, a private international school for your kids. Oh, yeah. It can get very lucrative, especially for those um, really high level executives. Even the education of the kids, it's mm-hmm. um, provided for. So, yeah. I, I'm also shocked. <laughs> yeah. This leads me to the question, what about the spouses? Because I know a lot of people through the online community, a lot of people who listen to this podcast have become expats because of their partnership or marriage. And it's not so easy to be the one having to mold your career or your life around the move that your partner is making. So are there ever cases where there's support offered to the what some would call trailing spouse to what others would call the expat partner (laughs) yeah yeah there is this thing um called spousal support or spousal assistance what is inside the spousal support depends on what the company is willing to provide for the employee but in general it's like language support so if you they are moving to a country that is a non English speaking country, like they are given certain hours of language education. And there's also like they get help for job hunting if they're willing to work as well. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, but I don't see this very often. So it really depends how generous the company is with their employees. Yeah, I feel like I want to shout out one of uh, my former guests. Her Instagram and blog is called Share the Love blog, Katrina. She's from Germany and moved to the States with her husband. And in that process, they moved for his job and she sort of noticed this issue that there really wasn't enough support for the spouses Mm. to help them get their careers going. So she's done some really cool research and published a lot of great blog posts about this issue. And she tries to advocate, I think, to both the companies and to the relocation agencies to say, like, you guys need to to look at this more this is a piece of the moving puzzle that you guys aren't necessarily addressing and i think obviously Mm -hmm. maybe it doesn't maybe it's not obvious maybe it doesn't go without saying but a lot of people move abroad with jobs that don't offer any kind of relocation thing however for those Mm -hmm. that do if this is already part of your infrastructure uh, why not especially if you're going so far as to pay 
school bills and things like this, like why not offer a little bit of support to the spouse or partner? Exactly. And especially if they're moving to a totally different country with a different culture, different language, it's very difficult for the spouses. So are there things that are offered in part of relocation that, that we might not think of off the bat? Like you mentioned, for instance, taxes. What kind of support mm-hmm. is offered there? Well, I am not a tax expert and tax is very complicated and we are not the one directly who is like looking after the tax. We have third party vendors who are specialized in, in tax, but basically they will do whatever you're they're supposed to do with a tax. yeah and there is also this thing called a hardship allowance if the employee or the assignee is being relocated to a country that is that has not favorable condition like maybe pollution they are given certain allowance for that and certain countries without um, good transport system the employees get a car and they get a driver if they don't know how to drive (laughs) yeah if that is something yeah, I know. If that is something that they feel they need. Wait, when you said if there's something like a, an unfavorable condition like pollution, does that mean that they get money? Yes, they what? do get money. Like it's a hardship allowance. Okay. Maybe one city that I remember is Beijing. Yeah. For the for the pollution, I think that some employees and some companies they do give a hardship allowance for that that's such a funny thing it's like sorry that the air is really bad here's some extra money yes (laughs) exactly (laughs) which yeah i mean it doesn't solve the issue but i guess it sure doesn't hurt (laughs) exactly (laughs) it's better than nothing right (laughs) yeah no i mean i would in most situations if the if the choices are a bad situation or a bad situation but you get some guilt money i'd take the guilt money (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nine out of ten times. <laughs> I just I feel like I'm I'm in awe and shock this whole conversation because I moved in a very DIY way and most of the people that I've met have moved in a very DIY way and that is to say internet research to figure out your visa completely on your own to figure oh, yeah. out taxes, housing, etc. And that's where so much of the battle wounds come from. And so to hear that there are situations where this is all just kind of done is really just incredible. And I, I obviously I do know that this is out there. And to me, it's like this whole other half of the expat world that's almost like a hidden society to me. And I'm really fascinated by it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think the only people who know this are the expats themselves. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's like a completely different world. I mean, before I worked for this industry, I feel like, okay, I'm an outsider. I don't know this world. But once you're once you're in there, you're going to be like, oh, this is fascinating. All the things that this expatriates get. Yeah. And I think <laughs> it's nice to talk about it because let's say someone is preparing to move abroad for a job and there hasn't been discussion of relocation or there's been discussion of relocation to some extent. Um, I could also totally imagine it that someone is really excited to move abroad for work and that they get offered, I don't know, a couple thousand dollars to help move. And they're just thrilled about that because that already seems like such a nice perk. But maybe they don't realize that you really could ask for so much more. Again, it depends on your status. It depends on your status. Yeah. And it depends on the country you're moving to. I mean, a lot of factors do affect what the employees get at the end of the day. 
But let's say that someone listening to this is in negotiations now with their contract, with their job to move abroad. Are there things that you would give them as tips having observed this world for a while? Are there things that people could keep in mind to help them negotiate? One thing to keep in mind is the companies, of course, think of the welfare of their employees. But again, they are still a business and it all boils down to costs at the end of the day. <laughs> so I think the, the room for negotiation that employees will have is because recently we have seen the trend that companies are like tightening their belts in, ter- in terms of costs. And in the past, um, employees do get more stuff like bigger allowances. And then that um, became lesser as the years went by. So it really is more cost effective. Companies are more for more cost effective ways right now. So the room for negotiation would probably give and take like if you are not maximizing or utilizing a certain part of your allowance or package, then you can use that as a leverage to negotiate. Although it doesn't work 100% all of the time, but it's something you can consider. So maybe for example, your company says, okay, you have a household goods allowance of 20 foot sea shipment container and an air shipment of a 62 feet container. But you have so much stuff that it won't fit into a 20 foot container, right? So you can say, okay, I'm not going to use my air shipment, which probably costs like this thousands of dollars and just give me a 40 foot container. So this is your room for negotiation. I think also with, with negotiation, it's important to at least try it because even if it oh, doesn't yeah. work, I think it also helps communicate to the companies what's important to their employees. So maybe even if you get told no, but then they notice over the years, 5 million people are, are you know, uh-huh. asking or demanding for the same type of thing, then they can say, okay, this is a priority. Maybe we can work on that in the future. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, each of this requests which is on top of your what the company's providing you. Sometimes, I mean, we call it exception requests. So this all get logged. And as what you were mentioning, if they see a trend that a lot of their employees are asking for this, maybe they're going to like expand the allowance or change things up, right? And again, um, I think one thing is it doesn't hurt to be nice (laughs) to like people who are helping you because in my experience, like the nicer you are, people are really more willing to like help you out and like go the extra mile and see things how things will work out for you yeah that's actually an interesting part for your old job i imagine that you were then put in direct contact with the assignees is that true yeah at the beginning of my career i spoke directly to the expatriates themselves i i used to be a household goods coordinator meaning i am the one who is talking to the assignees and helping them pack their stuff, move their stuff, all these kind of things. I mean, it sounds um, straightforward, but there's so many things that can go wrong, so many complications that can come along the way. So this is at the beginning of my career. And then, I mean, at the latter part, of course, I'm leading the team of coordinators. So I don't work directly with the expatriates anymore, but work in the background with the management team and stuff like that. But it's, it's really interesting that it's a stressful time for the expatriates to, to move, especially when it comes to their household goods and their housing. Those two are the most stressful points, I would say, that I have observed. 
Yeah, and it's such an interesting relationship then that the agent has with the assignee because it's almost like a, a wedding planner or something, you know, you'd get dropped into someone's yeah. life. It's very intimate. I mean, I, I even get to like see their house, yeah. go to their house during the packing of their stuff or during the delivery of stuff. Oh, and, and speaking of this, there are also things called like an on-site management, a valet and packing. So meaning... There will be a manager who's going to be there during your household goods packing or your household goods delivery, just overseeing stuff for you. What? And there, there is also this thing called the valley unpacking, which means they will put everything back in the closet and the cupboards, everything for you. They'll fold your undies, put them back nicely, <laughs> <laughs> put back your your china, oh your glasses. This yes. sounds like literally like the royal treatment. It is the royal treatment. The internet, electricity, all these, these are all taken care of. Oh, I've also heard of people having relocation packages that include a stipend or even requirement where they they get to visit back home once a year. Oh so. yeah, there there is this thing. Yeah, there is. What's now it that you called? mentioned it. <laughs> um it's so be before the they even commit to their assignment, they even have a look and see trip. So meaning they fly to the country and they see if they like it. And then they go back to their home country and then they say, okay, I would like to take this assignment. And then in that maybe one or two year assignment period, they depends on what the company is providing them, but they do get to go back home and visit once a year. Normally it's once a year. With their family and um everything is paid for by the company that's so amazing because obviously that's another huge stress or cost when you are living abroad um of course you want to visit your people and to know to have that mental relaxation knowing that this is going to mm -hmm. happen for you once a year and, and that you're going to be supported while you're doing that is incredible um wh what level of status are we talking here in order to get these these perks these these royal treatments like do you have to be like a ceo in order to get this kind of stuff? <laughs> nah the royal treatment they're talking about is the valiant packing right yeah <laughs> they the put everything the for you normally these are just for the executives and the, the high level but they're not like the ceo but they are high level i mean companies they would give you tiers like okay this is level a this is level b something like that but the housing, the stuff like normal, they they help you open your bank account, they, they help you to set up your internet, set up your electricity. Those are all normal packages. Normal employees get it. Jeez, okay. Which is which is still very good, right? It's just still very good. Yeah, no, that's still a huge help. And I'm like, man, why am I not like throw my elbows out in the corporate ladder? Like just to have some people pack your stuff for you. Sounds great. It's already like wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> when you guys did your moves, did you have relocation packages? Interesting question. No, we didn't because uh, we moved to from Singapore to Australia. We moved here without jobs. So no company is supporting us. Everything is paid for by ourselves. But it's interesting to um, experience what the expatriates are experiencing. So when we announced to my company that we're moving, all my colleagues are like, oh, so who's going to be your relocation this? I'm gonna da, 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 da. <laughs> we're like talking about all these. But one of my agents did help me with um, our house of good stuff. 
that's the only thing I guess that I needed help with. But the rest of the other stuff I did it myself, including visa application, looking for a house, flights, accommodation, all these I did it myself. So this is a great time to ask you what sort of tools and services that you would recommend for people who are making a move with or without relocation packages because you have personal experience without and you have professional experience with. So so tell us all of your wisdom and your tips and your tricks <laughs> and your recommendations. Um, to be honest, it's just research. And this is also what I did. I mean, I researched to death. That's, that's what I do. And uh, I, I guess that's really what I would recommend to people, especially if you are moving without a relocation package. Just research to death. And Google is your friend. Um, just compare. Um, compare packages, ask for quotes, um, forums are a good source of information. That's also where I got most of my information when I was moving here. Um, we have a local forums for Filipinos who are moving to Australia, and that's where I got most of the information that I know. And um, in terms of when it comes to those people who are moving with relocation packages provided to them by their companies, I would say really ask your um, relocation management company questions. And I think you should analyze what you will really need for this entire move. Just imagine yourself moving and what are the pain points before you move and during the movement, after the move, and talk to your relocation management company. Let them know your concerns and just communicate what you need. And I could also imagine that as the process is happening, people learn a lot about what's important to them. Like I could totally see someone preparing for the move, everything's going fine, and then all of a sudden they realize that their their great-grandpa's chair is not going to fit comfortably and safely into the storage unit to ship it across the world, and all of a sudden they're freaking out because they're realizing they can't bring that with, or they, they need to find another way. There you go. And so I can imagine that kind that of thing is, happening a lot. Yeah, <laughs> that, is a, that is a great example. And I mean, right now with the coronavirus, right? Yeah. That is also another thing that's that's affecting the relocation industry. I I know for a fact a lot of assignees or employees, some of their assignments get canceled because of this um, issue right now. Oof, that would be nerve wracking. Do you have any memories of certain instances that were like the craziest requests that you received? Um, I mean, we have people like crying on the phone, crying in person, we visit their house, they're crying, they don't want to live, yeah, they don't want to leave the country because they've already been settled there, they love it there. Like Singapore, we, we have a lot of expatriates who move to Singapore and don't want to leave because it's it's nice to live there. One of the crazy stories, oh my god, am I going to be able to share stories? <laughs> um, well, okay, I have another question while you think through and decide if you can share a story. Another question is, does it happen often that someone moves for a job and they're in Singapore, say, and they've been living there for three or four years, their assignment's over, and they're crying and they don't want to leave? Do people just quit the jobs and stay? and just decide to uh -huh. figure it out how often does that happen yeah i've encountered <laughs> i've encountered people like talking to me like okay this is the relocation plan da, 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 da. but 
this is just between the two of us. I'm also looking for a job. I want to stay here, but yeah. So because wow. we have to coordinate everything, we have to coordinate like, okay, when are you going to leave? When is your house rental going to end? When are you flying? When are you packing your stuff? So these are all the dates. So they won't be able to coordinate this if they have other plans in mind. And sometimes they will be saying, okay, this is the other plan that I have in case I get hired for this other job. This may all not push through. So those are the kind of things, yeah. Some of them, they do quit and find new employers in the country. I feel like especially when I hear about these people who every three to four years move to a different country as part of someone's career. I mean, that is really draining. And I don't know, to me, some, some of hearing about the relocation is almost like it's making it too easy on the people, you know, like a lot of what's made me feel connected to the place where I live is the pain that I've gone through to be here. And to imagine that not being here, I think I would have a different relationship with the local people and the local culture. So part of me initially wants to be like, oh, it's almost like too comfortable. But then also, if you think about it, I mean, especially for the people who are doing it again and again and again, that's a, that's a different kind of draining. That's a different oh, kind yeah. of pain. I've seen employees who have been moving around like every two years, just bouncing off of different countries. Okay. Some of them like it, but eventually some people like get get sick of it. And even if they like it, it's still hard. It's still... Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there there are pros and cons to it, right? Yeah, absolutely. At the end of the day, it's probably a cool problem to have that you're like, wow, I just get to see so much of the world and have so many experiences. But problems are still problems. You know, it's not a... It's not the Olympics of who's got the worst life or the best life. It's just no matter what it is, there's going to be issues. This just occurred to me. Have you ever heard of any sort of mental health services being offered as part of relocation or any sort of coaching to help people deal with the emotional aspect of moves? Hmm, interesting question. No, I've never. No, from my own knowledge, no, I don't know any such service or offering from Yeah, and I suppose that would be, at some countries it would fall under healthcare like the typical healthcare and also maybe it's not fully mental health that i mean maybe that's part of it yeah but there's also like the cult i mean it's not mental health that there's like orientation on like okay this is the culture this is what you're gonna expect but there's no personal like mental hmm. yeah interesting to think about um have you decided if you have any spicy stories that you can share with us well, the thing is, I can only remember one on top of my head, and I won't want to share that one because I feel like this guy is just too high level for working for a high level big company. I don't want to. Yeah. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, we've worked with um, high level people. Let's just leave it at that. But I would say there's a lot of crazy stories. Sometimes it's crazy to hear it, but. You just have to, sometimes because we are the service providers, you just have to remember that these people really are going through a lot in that phase in their lives. So it's just too much stress for them to take in that sometimes they just go bonkers. <laughs> right. And if they're, uh, if they're used to a certain standard... That might also be hard, too, to go from yeah. having uh, someone fold your underwear when you move to... I don't know what could come next. <laughs>
maybe I'll share this. This is one general, but it's not, not crazy, but it's just interesting. If there are Japanese people moving to America or other um, countries in the West, we will always receive complaints that the crew will not remove their shoes, right? Because <sighs> Japanese, yeah. right? I mean, maybe not just Japanese, maybe Asian. We don't want shoes inside our houses. But when you go to America or we go to Australia, um, the crew needs to have their shoes on because it's for safety reason. It's standard procedure so he would always get complaints from japanese or asian people how come this crew are not removing their shoes so it's just one interesting aspect of it's just different perception different culture different expectations that leads to all these complaints and escalations but at the end of the day you can't really fault the assignee because they have their own preferences and they have their own things that they are used to back home yeah, absolutely. And that's just such a cool position that you are in, getting to get these broad strokes impressions of how these different cultures interact and where they clash, where they gem, where the different pain points mm -hmm. are and where it totally works perfectly. I think that's so cool. Like what a special look you can take on the whole world and, and say, ah, okay, I can see how this all could play together. I mean, the globe, if you look at a globe, it must just look totally different to you because it's full of stories from here and there from your experiences mm -hmm. in this industry yeah yeah i mean working for this industry is really quite interesting and quite fun mm -hmm. although it can be stressful yeah. <laughs> you learn a lot you learn a lot from it yeah yeah let's transition to the ending segment which is called zack 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 this is a rapid fire question round where I'm going to ask you three questions that you're going to answer without thinking it, overthinking it. Just go with your gut. Are you ready? I am ready, but I'm going to suck at this. <laughs> I think you're going to nail it. No, come on. You got this. All right. Okay, let's do it. Okay. Um, first up, what is the last good book that you read? Oh, geez. Um, Frigglewoods. Uh, question number two, what's your favorite animal? Koala bear. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and if you could be magically transported and just dropped into any place in the whole world right now, but you could only stay for one day for 24 hours, where would you go? Prague, Czech Republic. You did so good. You were so you were so rapid and you had answers. Great. You nailed it. You nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So if people want to hear more from you or connect with you, where can we point them? I run a podcast called Migrant Mama in Australia. So it's just basically my experiences in Australia. And every now and then I talk to migrants in Australia about their experiences and random topics. So if you would like to hear about this podcast, I'm on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, all the platforms. And um, if you would like to see what I've been up to on my life here down under, I'm also on Instagram and on Facebook. And my handle is MigrantMamaAU. We'll link to all of that in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on to the Expat Cast and letting me drop into this magical world of fancy company moves. <laughs> Thank you so much. It was nice talking to you. Thank you again to Xi'an for coming on to the Expat Cast. 
I've linked to her information in the show notes. And there you can also find my information. So that's The Expat Cast on Twitter and on Instagram or theexpatcast at gmail.com to shoot me a note. As said, I'm, I'm really hoping to hear from a lot of you guys this week about what you want from this show in this moment. And I want to try my best to deliver it to you. And that also means I need guests. So if you're someone listening to this thinking, hey, I actually have something to say on the topic of living as an expat during the George Floyd protests in America, please reach out to me. I would love to talk to you. Normally, this is a time where I ask you for reviews, but honestly, I don't care right now. (laughs) Normally, this is a time where I tease next week's episode, but I don't know what I'm going to do with the show next week. All right. Have a good week. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Bis dann. Tschüss.